Hello and welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level. To interact with us, as always, you can catch us live every Thursday night over on Facebook and YouTube. Chats are always lit. Love seeing you there. And just a reminder, your chats may show up on the show. So watch what you say. And uh, what else? Oh, yeah. As always, if you can't catch us live, you catch the replay or in your favorite podcasting app. So you know me. My name is John Rework, and this is my subtext. I am a past master of the Patriot Lodge number 1957 in Fairfax, Virginia. Joe, who are you? Uh, I'm confused. That's who I am because you never you never go to me next. So I'm not, I'm not ready. Hello, Joe Martinez. You're not reading anything today. But no, I'm not. Uh, it's not a book. It's not a book club episode. Joe Martinez, still worshipful master, Woo. master lodge number one eighty two, uh, member of many other things, and uh, as always, damn glad to be here. Happy to have you. Poof. All right, next up for his introduction, Jason Richards, who is studious tonight. Hello, Jason. Well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so nice to see everyone. Uh, my name is Jason Richards. I'm a past master, uh, past master, past master, past master of a case lodge number 16 in Clifton, Virginia, and member of a couple others. But we don't have time to get into that right now because it's going to be a real good show. Past master, past master, past master, past the master. Six weeks. Yes. You know. Until term when, three, when Joe when Joe becomes a past master, we have to we have to hang up the show. <laughs> no, That's it. We can, we can do an episode, but it'll just be me and my just my chair, not me, and I won't be here. And just keep the camera on for an hour because I'm gonna. It'll go be like the Yule log sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> sleeping Joe, yes, nice. Happy birthday, Nanya! Oh, look at that! All right, uh, let's give a special shout out to the patrons who support the show. You guys are awesome and rock our socks. We love so if you. you want to su support the show, head over to patreon.com slash the Masonic Roundtable. Um, keep this education going for many years to come. So thank you for all of our supporters over the years. You guys, you guys are awesome. And tarot card of the week. Do we have tarot card of the week? I've, I've got something at the ready if we need to. Do it. I don't have my uh, tarot camera. Go for it. Yeah, you're all you're all talking about all these other things going on in the in the green room, and we didn't get right, ready. No. Oh, sorry, you had something in your eye. Something Jones. in my eye. Yes. All right. Let's uh, let's get the tarot cam lit. Let me uh, see if this works. Uh, I love doing stuff live. This is great. Yeah. Let's see, we got some birthdays. We got oh, we got a new we got a new Mason. Welcome. Welcome nice. to where masonry gets done. Doing a little bit of research here. So on my normal tarot spread, you might see some books you recognize, but tonight I'm... They're upside down. Yes, they are. They're right side to me. I'm using the business class tarot. I'm feeling very business oriented today. And the card I'm going to draw for today is... The Six of Brand. So, oh, the business class terror. What are those dim sum? What is that? Those are hearts. Oh, okay. It's it's your it's your product your brand exactly. So, in the business class tarot, the um, cups of emotion have been replaced by the brand of your of your business or your product. 
And so six of cups is actually a pretty cool card in the Rider Waite system. That is one that is like childlike innocence. It's the uh, the kids giving you know flowers out of the cups to the other kids, and it's isn't it like memories too, like innocence, memories, yeah. yes, youthfulness. Um, you Not know, us. Yeah, the, yes, yeah, you're the old guy, Joe. Um, yeah, it's, it's the the memories of the past. I'm like, the uh, young and. So yeah, so tonight we're going to go way back into our youth and dive mm. deep into the symbolism of Father Time. So mm. it's a good one. Dig it. All right. So there you go. Business class tarot. Always a, always a classic. Love it. Boom. Okay. So what are we talking about tonight, Joe, while I pack my cards up? Yes. So tonight we are talking about father time but not just father time we're talking about all the symbolism where father time is found mm -hmm. uh, most notably in a um was it a was it a sketch first Ooh, now you're, it wasn't you're a statue first it was a uh it was yeah it was a piece of art first um if i remember correctly and if anybody yeah, wants so to so while you're in, while you're digging that up you know We've done, it's, it is October, so we're, we've always done like the, the Memento Mori episode, we've done the Skulls, what's with Skulls and Masonry episodes, we're, we're doing yet another allusion to uh, death and spookiness, that is uh, the Halloween season, and so yet another symbol that we have in our Masonic degree system is one of Father Time and a Weeping Virgin. So yes. we're going to dive deep into all that is spooky related to that and take a little more deeper dive because i think there's a lot of good research we found that goes below the surface of what you might find in your traditional masonic lodge so where did it come from where did it come from i know so we've got a uh we've got a brother named jeremy cross who was born in the 1780s uh so he became a mason in the beginning of the 19th century in 1808 mm. and he was a student you American Masons may have heard this name before. He was a student of Thomas Smith Webb. I know so, yeah, um, you may have heard of him. You, you hear his ritual everywhere um, in the U.S. And uh, so in 1819, he published a piece of work called The True Masonic Chart or The Hieroglyphic Monitor. Mm. Okay. And uh, took a lot of Webb's ritual and basically was a, a, a book about the ritual and a little bit of symbolism. Um and there were some illustrations in there and the illustration we should probably throw it up there on the screen um this is the earliest instance of this illustration where we see father time but we also see the weeping virgin and the broken column and a whole bunch of other symbolism counting the ringlets of her hair yes um so yeah so it shows up in the true masonic chart by jeremy cross and uh while you guys are talking i'll find a picture okay yeah, I was wondering if Jason was going to be productive, but... He's not. I'll do it. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, so what uh, time frame was that chart from Jeremy Cross? Didn't I just say it? I'm trying yeah. To, and if you did, I missed it. I thought I did. I thought I said 1819. 1819, okay. Yeah. But... Wait, wait, so Freemasonry has been around since 1717. So how could this symbol have not been drawn for the first time until 
1819. Mm. Mm. We don't know. It sounds like an innovation in masonry to me, actually. They didn't have artwork in Freemasonry until they, they didn't know how to draw until yes. 1819. Yes. Right. Here it is. Okay. Why are you staring at me? I'm looking for the picture. Okay. You just said there it is. There it is. Oh, sorry. Well, while you're doing that, we are uh, referencing the more commonly seen image of... There it is. Father Time. And when I say there it is, I'm actually going to show it. Um, Father Time standing behind a weeping virgin with an urn some evergreen in her hand, reading a book over a broken column. Right. It's very common. Hourglass behind Hourglass. Father Time. Yeah. Heavily loaded symbolism there. So what's awesome is like you see I mean that's not the original Jeremy it's not. Cross picture. That is this not, is not the original. No, because Joe was really slow on the internet today. It's so little I have to zoom in. Here it is. I'm coming, I'm coming. And the picture's slow. So here's the OG one. Oh, got to add it. There we go. There we That's go. That's the original oh. one. Uh -huh. All right. I like it. I'm digging it. Mm -hmm. And then it awesome. gets embellished. Yeah. So that's the original one was turned into a, a copper plate engraving afterwards. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then Easy like to the reproduce, you, mm -hmm. like the one you brought up here is my favorite interpretation of it. I know everybody has their own, their own favesies, but, um, this is mine. Because it's very hyper realistic, and let me add it. Yep. Ooh. So I do like that one, and I don't like the original because Father Time looks like he's three foot nine, you know, and <laughs> he looks like a little old thing uh, oh, behind the Weeping Virgin. But yeah. Um, so yeah, lots of symbolism here. Where do we start? I know, right? So the coolest part for me out of all this, let's just let's get right to the scythe, right? It's that's the. Uh, that's really the whole point of Father Time being here, right? We're talking about the death of a Grand Master. We're talking about um, Father Time coming to collect, right? So the scythe does have its allusions, right, to the Grim Reaper. It does have an allusion to the Master of Death. And it's a harvesting tool, right? What you got there, Jason? Poof, the scythe, right? So it is a... A symbol of cutting down it's a symbol of collection right so it's not just a murderous symbol it's a symbol of like the harvest is done right so yep. you see that not only from the harvesting of souls from a the, you're dead like you're this is you're being harvested you are at your your final moment and you are going to hopefully reap your reward but also what's really cool about that is um that it usually happens at the harvest time, right? So whenever you see the right. scythe, it also represents uh, the late autumn, right? Getting ready for the winter time, you know, um, reaping what you sow. So that way you can have a, a plentiful winter, right? So you are, you're getting, getting prepared uh, and, and reaping the harvest. So I think that's, uh, that's pretty cool that um, we have that, that symbol down there. And also reminds us of Memento Mori itself. Right, that this is such a ghastly symbol, 
that the Grim Reaper carries, but yet it, it is there to remind us that we all will one day die like Jason Skullpillow back there and we'll end up like that dude. Boom. <laughs> and so, um, again, this is one of those like soapboxes we all could go on about, you know, or people say, well, people, you know, the, the young guys like the skull and masonry because it's cool and then looks edgy. Like, no, 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 no. Like it is a symbol of our mortality. It is a ancient stoic like symbol that says, Hey, we are all going to die. Let's make the most of the life we have now. Right. So that's, um, it's motivating. It's very inspiring. That's just why we, we have skulls hanging around <laughs> our, all three of our offices and more. Depending on how many enemies you've slain, uh, some may have more than others. True. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, um, you know, just one thing I think we, we should note is that we did not invent this symbol. We did not invent Father what? Time. It's not Masonic. It's actually been around for... But, but it's in our degrees. It is, but yes. <laughs> so, like our degrees, we take symbols and stories and allegory that come from much, much older places and times. Yeah, no, we Blasphemy. do. Masonry is, is like the 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 rock star of of cultural appropriation right indeed <laughs> i'll yes. take that and i'll take that is it esoteric yeah let's take it and then most of our members can ignore it yes. <laughs> desigulier is rolling in his grave right now <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but to your point all of those guys desigulier and preston and everybody you know all the the architects of of modern ritual uh over the years had access to all these symbols. So Father Time was a, a staple, you know, right. um, even in the early, oh, excuse me for a second. That's my dog, sorry. Puppy dog. Speaking Puppy of Father dog. Time, yeah, my oldest dog on earth. Um, she is older than Father Time. But, oh, look um, at that dog. <laughs> it's a bear. Um, <laughs> yes, Father Time's been around for a long time, as far back as the Greeks. Um, so, and I think I saw some of it in the chat, which I'm not going to look at today. So it doesn't distract me. Um, <laughs> father time, uh, now. is a, <laughs> is, uh, often symbolized, uh, to go alongside with, or having replaced, uh, Kronos or Saturn. Um, mm -hmm. so a Titan or a, um, you know, a pre Olympian God. Is that where we get the word chronology from? We get that from Kronos. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. And we get castration from what Zeus did to Kronos, right? So Saturn was usually portrayed <laughs> as an old man with a scythe, since his function is also related to farming, um, which does relate to the astrological sign as well. Agriculture, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, but you take it a step further over the centuries, it started to, people started to conflate, conflate father time with, um, we're talking pre enlightenment. He started to get conflated a little bit with the grim reaper who also carried a scythe, um, who is definitely a lot more decrepit looking and definitely symbolized your impending death. Um, so, you know, here he's still kind of, you know, he goes to the gym, he works out quite a bit, definitely takes walks every day in this image. Um, so he hasn't reached like Grim Reaper level of decrepitude right. or putrefaction. And he's taller than um, three foot. Yes. He's yes. not a gnome. So, yeah. But um, but then we get to um, 
17th 18th century and then we have <laughs> so then we have um well i'm going to read the comments if you put them on the screen but um <laughs> then we get to uh father time and baby new year right those two symbols starting to go hand in hand mm. right where father time is the symbol of the old year departing and baby new year is the happy brand new year um which doesn't remind us that we're getting older each and every day now another sign symbol or version of this which i find fascinating is let me see if i can bring this up on my screen here is where it's also found in you fast forward into the like say 1880s 1882 time frame when you have um a book called uh, stellar theology all right by one robert brown yes and let me share this screen this is where I started to go down the rabbit hole with this with this uh, symbol, this figure here, because you start to see <clears throat> a little bit different interpretation of this. So, uh, if you haven't read it, gotta read it. You have to read the um, the book Robert Brown Stellar Theology and Masonic uh, Symbology, in which he goes into great uh, detail about the various astrological connotations uh that go along with the third degree some are a stretch i gotta admit like they're not some of them I, I can't go along with but but then there's some that just hit the nail on the head and uh this is actually not the original uh version that i found but it is certainly uh inspired by one of the earlier like 1880s copies of this book in which you can see the zodiacal band behind this picture and it's done there on purpose because you see the symbol of Saturn, which again, we've just said, uh, alludes to father time here. And, uh, you see it in, in Capricorn. So now we have, we have placed this symbol in the stars. We've placed this symbol in an astrological context. So now we can, we can say one, that it's in Capricorn, which is actually ruled by Saturn, double down on the astrological significance. And it is still during a harvest time, tripling down on that, uh, that time frame uh, of where these, these stars align. Um, one could argue, and, and uh, Jamie Paul Lamb does a great job of that in Myth, Magic, and Masonry. Let me go cut to me real quick. So there you go. Boom. If you, don't, if you haven't read it, go read it. Uh, but this is uh, where he goes into, you know, this could be um, alluded to the rape of Persephone. Um, as well as uh, the Eleusinian mysteries as well. Yes. And so, just yeah. to clarify, mm -hmm. um, because we have talked about this and that you, you always get gasps. The <gasps> rape of Persephone is not the rape in the sense of the word that we're talking about. That means she yes, was not in the modern she was right not in the modern interpretation so, so there's artwork kidnapped. that goes um i think uh there's a famous 16th century or early 17th century um piece of art called the rape of persephone where he's stealing her away from the land <clears throat> of the living and dragging her down into the underworld so that's what that's what that term means when we're using it yeah. um absolutely and i think another interesting thing is because and obviously i read the comments um people are talking about chronos and saturn but we got to remember, folks, that the Roman god Saturn was basically the Greek god Kronos, right? So cut, paste, rename. 
copy paste. Yeah. Copy paste with a little bit of, you know, a little bit of changes here and there um, because that's what the Romans did and they were very good at it. Mm -hmm. So um, we have the Roman pantheon and the Greek pantheon, which are basically the same. So uh, Chrono, Saturn, same person or same God or deity. Mm -hmm. And he was the one who did the scythe thing. He was not the scythe. He was, yes, the scythor. He was Correct. the scythor. Yes. Mm-hmm. That so sounds I, like a man villain. I correct myself from, you know, 10 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So now, uh, what does the young lady represent then? Um, well, it's called the Weeping Virgin. Oh, oh, right, right. Yes. So it's a virgin who's sad. Oh, well, there you go. Boom. Couldn't be Boom. any more clear. <clears throat> Uh, I did see one reference to uh, Rhea in the Dionysic or yeah, Mysteries. Um, yes. Where, uh, let me get my notes straight, if, unless you have it at the ready. Yeah, so um, the mytho- mythological goddess Rhea is often mm-hmm. represented by a virgin or a weeping woman who grieves over the loss of a loved one. Um, symbols differ, but, uh, most commonly she's depicted with an urn in her left hand and a sprig of acacia in her right. But, but masonry invented it, right? Much, much later. So it could not come from. No. If we're getting back to the, the whole Greek Roman thing. So Rhea is Greek. Rhea is Greek. Okay. Right. She was a mother goddess. She was the daughter of. Gaia, the earth goddess, mother earth, Gaia, right? And her dad was Uranus. And that is the proper way you say it. So everybody who's saying Uranus, you're wrong. It is Uranus. Um, Yeah. And uh, she was sister to Kronos. So that's where she lives in the, uh, the Titan family tree. Nice. So definitely a motherly, very... feminine goddess well she was the mother for going back to the greeks she was mother to the og olympian god so you had zeus poseidon hades uh demeter and hestia so she was their mom okay. so gotcha. she's kind of mom of all the, the cool kids right that's the ones we, we talk about we make disney movies about that kind of thing mm-hmm. yep mm. what's next already can we talk about what she's uh, what she's looking at? The book on the the broken column. Yes, let's. So this is often, <clears throat> or this has throughout history been talked about as the the book of life, and so the the book Ooh. you know on which every kind of human soul is is inscribed. I dig it. it works Which makes me. sense, right? <clears throat> when you have an urn, you have a scythe, you have an hourglass. These are all symbols of death, the broken column, meaning the, you know, the unfinished work. Um, so we have, we have a uh, mythology that comes with the Masonic degrees, but even if you take it a little bit more literal, you know, it is unfinished work, right? It is the unfinished work of, of your labors. 
So, well, it's, I mean, it's interesting, as you pointed it out, we've got so many symbols of just, just in the part you have there, we have so many symbols of the end of a life, right? We've got the urn that holds the remains. We've got mm-hmm. the broken column. We've got father time. Evergreens. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, those are, I was going to say is a little bit of a dichotomy there, right? She's got an urn in one hand with the mortal remains of something. Mm-hmm. And then in the other hand, she's got an evergreen, right? Which is the symbol of immortality um, or rebirth or resurrection. So they're kind of. And she's taking the peek into the Akashic records. I like that too. We need, we need to figure out what our Akashic records are. That'd be fun. Probably on the Wayback Machine. <clears throat> there you yes. go. Archive.org. Archive.org has everything. Mm-hmm. All right. And then the hourglass. Let's talk about the hourglass. Because so we actually call out the hourglass as a separate symbol in, in our explanation of the degrees. Right. What does the hourglass mean to you, Joe? So it is, uh, you know, I think it's, it's very succinctly said in our degrees. Um, you know, it's a symbol of the, the swiftness and the imperceptibility of time passing before you. Right. So, you know, and, you know, most of us don't see hourglasses. We see egg timers, right. Which go super quickly. But if you actually have a real hourglass, that's timed for an actual 60 minutes. Um, once you first turn one over, you never, ever think that thing is going to empty out, right? Because the sands pass. So you can barely see them. That's how slow they pass. And then an hour goes by and then it's, it's done. Um, and that is just an amazing symbol of how quickly time passes before our eyes, right? You know, like I blinked and now I'm bald and older and I have gray hair. Mm-hmm. Where yesterday I was young and youthful and handsome and Right here? Like yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. So the real question should be, should all the skull masons just convert over to the hourglass then? That would make a lot more sense. Well, I think they're all important symbols of mortality, right? Like I think I think this engraving smashes you over the head with, hey, life is finite. Get your crap together. Mm-hmm. Because at some point, and you don't know when, it is going to end. Um, I'm missing a coffin and a spade, right? Yeah. Which again, this whole collage of a symbol is not directly related to the degree system. It's kind of bolted on, right? right? We explain some things as if it were related, but this stands alone, right? And that that's a good thing, right? Because these these symbols have obviously been around pre-masonry and um but you know but still it seems kind of weird that it's just like oh and by the way here's this here's the symbol that we're going to just kind of bolt on a degree has nothing to do with what you've seen before but we're going to say it does and any questions moving on to the next symbol you know (laughs) it just kind of kind of odd the urn Um, is not a symbol in blue lodge masonry and right at least in so, our jurisdictions. So, so it's interesting that, like, I mean, I love that we have the symbols in our degrees, but it's some of these things just do seem bolted on. Not that they're bad, because I'm, I'm okay. digging it. Like, we're here having a whole episode about it. I'm digging this thing. And yet. Well, I, I mean, it kind of. Liberties. I, well, see, I don't think they took liberties. I think that um, 
I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm the weird ancient aliens guy in the bunch. Um, you know, I do believe that they took symbolism, which was relatable to people at the time that the degrees were formalized, right? Because we know before Desigulier, everybody was kind of doing their own thing, right? Like if you ask Jason, we had people doing the degrees around the allegory of Noah and his three sons. Um, you had a whole bunch of different types of stories that were imparting this lesson. Um, so I think, believe me, I'm not, you know, I'm not a super big fan of, of any ritual that's been given to us that we have to work with. Right. Because I always want to ask where to come from, where did, um, you know, where did they get that idea? What were they doing in the degrees before they ultimately decided to, you know, codify it and, and make it, um, the law quote unquote. So, um, that's a fantastic Kevin point, up, Kevin. Uh, so yeah, so we'll, we'll read it there. Yeah. So Kevin says, this one always drives me nuts. Why is it not a scroll instead of an open book? Since books like that didn't exist until 1455 when Gutenberg published the Bible. Give that man. Why a isn't start. it an iPad? Right. <laughs> it might as well. Or a tablet. Yes. Yes. Um, because only the rich people had paper way back when. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Well, I mean, look. But Most back to the, that Moses point. had a tablet. He had well, he, <laughs> he, downloaded, he downloaded it from the cloud. <laughs> that was punny, but um, but I think uh, and a lot of folks in the comments are are kind of hinting at it. Again, these are symbols that are meant to impart lessons, but these lessons definitely existed in mankind before seventeen seventeen. You know, they've been around as long as humans had language and, you know, looked up in the stars and asked their questions, you know, so they've been around for a very long time. So that's why we can relate to them and that's why they resonate with us. And, um, you know, I, I see people hinting at it. Um, I think we will touch on some potential origins for this or what they may relate to, um, as the show goes on. But, um, again, these are, I'm trying to find the right word. These are really, primordial symbols that we're, we're tapping into. They're, we, they're like almost like archetypal archetypal. Yeah. Symbols, right. Yeah. It's just something that's, that's imprinted upon every human being. Um, yeah, absolutely. So what I want to know is why is he counting the ringlets of her hair? Mm -hmm. So he's got better things to do. He's got people to like off. But yeah, he's sitting there like tying a braid. Like, I don't, I don't get this. She's busy. She's, she's checking out the record. She's holding an urn. And so father time's got time to just hang around and like brush out the, the weave. I don't get it. So, I mean, I think it goes to the, you know, it speaks to the Counting word and unfolding the ringlets of her hair. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to, I'm trying to be careful so as not to actually touch on ritual, but, um, you know, yeah. if you, I mean, I think it says it in Duncan's, right, which anybody can buy, um, the actual counting the ringlets of her hair talks about time being patient and being uh, persevering through stuff. So time is going to do its thing, regardless of whether you're in a hurry or you got stuff to do or you're just sitting there being a lazy lump, um, you know, reading a book with an urn in your hand. So, you know, that's the symbolism of time being patient and time waits for no one. Right. So it's just going to do its I thing think it's, regardless. 
I think it's also an allusion to the fact that, you know, this this virgin is consumed in grief, but it's almost time being like, well, you know, she only has a certain amount of time left as well as he, you know, there, there. another there, there. ringlet of hair. It's like, oh, that's another one down. It's like, he's like whittling. Yeah, it's like, like, it's like those uh, death calendars. Yes. Where you uh, where you shade in the box black oh. for, for every week. Oh, you had to go there. I had to one. go there because I know you have one. I'm um, stand by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give everybody, you know, all of our listeners and viewers a glimpse into the dark soul that is uh, John Rourke. Yes. <laughs> the sense oh. of soul. Because you went there. Um, yeah. So again, now that Jason's taking me on that, that tangent, here we go. Let's strap in. Um, <laughs> we got time. We got time. So Memento Mori is, is a, a, a process, a symbol, a thought that, that keeps us, um, keeps us in check, right? Keeps, keeps everything in perspective. And so if, um, I found I found a person who sells this thing online. I said, that, I'm sure there's a way you can make this. And uh, if you put your your birth date in, you can actually let me zoom out a little bit here. See. By year, but each line is one year of your life. Each box is a week of your life. And if if I hope to one day live to say 90, like this is this is the amount of life that I have spent and the amount of life that I have remaining. Right. With a nice, nice, good Seneca quote at the bottom. It is not that we have a short time to live, but we waste much of it. Life is long enough and has been given in sufficiently generous measure to allow the accomplishment of the very greatest things. If the whole of it is well invested, right? Genghis Khan, Albert Einstein, they all had the same hours of the day that you did. Um, so what are you doing with it? And so this is cool. This uh, just a little macro that runs in here and shades in automatically uh, where where you are. And so yeah, if you want this template, maybe we'll drop it in the uh, the patrons chat we'll and do that. the uh, yeah, because you should definitely customize that. Um, you could print this out and color it in yourself, but I think it's more fun to just check on this every once in a while and go, oh crap, <laughs> that line's got longer. Rather optimistic, thinking that. Uh you know, it's giving you 90. So I customized it, right? Cause I, I don't, you know, I don't smoke or anything like that. So I'm in relatively good health, knock on wood. So I, you know, I've seen ones that have been customized for different ages or, uh, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm optimistic. I hope, I hope to get there. Probably won't, but at least I can see where I am. What if you have to add more? Are you really going to remember at 90? To add another road to this Excel, or are you just not going to give a crap at that I point? I won't know who I am at that point, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be happy that I woke up and had some mush. <laughs> Didn't pee yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the little thing. It's the little things. That's right. Um, yeah, but I mean, people are clamoring uh, for us to talk about where potentials for where these symbols may have come from. And I think we kind of danced on it a little bit. I see people bringing up Egypt a lot. Um, so let's, let's punch that one in the face right now. Um, Boom. So, 
everybody who's talking about Egypt and the Osirian mysteries, absolutely, you can definitely make some allusions to some of the things that are here. Most of this, when we're talking about this, comes from a single place. A single place. And that what? place is Morals and Dogma by illustrious brother Albert Pike. Okay, so it's found in the um, Prince of the Tabernacle degree explanation. Um, and uh, if you like, Which I will degree read number it. is that? I don't remember. You know, I'm going to... 87. 24th. The 24th degree. So for those of you who are fans of the morals and the dogma, um, definitely got to get it annotated by Art de Hoyos because then you can actually understand it. Um, yes. But uh, Pike writes about this, um, and it's actually a really beautiful uh, sentiment that he writes. So it's on page 379, if you've got the OG version, and I'll read it for you. It says, blue masonry or craft masonry, ignorant of its import, still retains among its emblems one of a woman weeping over a broken column, holding in her hand a branch of acacia, myrtle, or tamarisk, while time, we are told, stands behind her combing out the ringlets of her hair. We need not repeat the vapid and trivial explanation they're given of this representation of Isis weeping at Byblos over the column torn from the palace of the king that contained the body of Osiris, while Horus, the god of time, pours ambrosia on her hair. Then he goes on to say, so number one, that's awesome, right? That is one of my favorite mm -hmm. quotes. Um, I actually talk about that in a presentation about... Um, the Osiris uh, Trinity, how it relates to to craft masonry. Mm. Um, but again, this is the only place where this exists in writing. Okay. Right. Um, but then he goes on to say, nothing of what I just said is historical. Okay. But it is meant as an allegory or a fable containing a meaning that's only known to those who have gone through the process of initiation. All right. So he, he kind of puts that exclamation point on there. But again, it's beautiful and it's poignant and, and there is some truth to it. Absolutely. So for those that are asking, well, this comes from Egypt and stuff like that. Yeah, you can make some allusions to it. Um, the story of Osiris, for those who don't know, there is a broken column, right? So when he uh, when he gets trapped in a casket and floats down the River Nile and he lands at Byblos, a tree sprouts up from his casket right? Huge, ginormous tree. And the king of Biblos sees his tree and is like, hey, I want this to hold up my palace. So he chops the tree down and brings it into his uh, palace. And inside this tree, which is now a pillar or a column, has the casket of Osiris in it. So when Isis goes to get it, you know, she argues and haggles and, you know, does some wheeling and dealing for the, for the pillar because she wants her husband back. Um, she takes it, and now that's where you have the broken column or the broken pillar, um, meant to represent Osiris, who was the, you know, like Hiram, he was murdered before his time. Mm. So, but again, written, morals and dogma. Which is interesting, because um, Mackey, in uh, his encyclopedia, actually clearly states that, um, you know, Jeremy Cross, who has said, to have fabricated the monumental symbol was not, we are satisfied, acquainted with the hermetic science, right? Of the, oh, of interesting. the, the death and everything. Uh, so yet a woman thus portrayed standing near a tomb uh, was a very appropriate symbol for the third degree whose dogma is the resurrection. In hermetic science, according to Nicholas Flamel, a woman having her hair disheveled and standing near a tomb is the symbol of the soul. 
So he's saying, hey, uh, Jeremy Cross probably didn't get it from that perspective of as above, so below. Um, that death, death is just the next phase, the, the next transition. It was just kind of a cool symbol for him with all the other, you know, uh, historical and allegorical uh, symbolism buried therein. Yeah, absolutely. And the comments are, are, are commenting on our comments. Um, no, this this symbolizes death. There is a death, whether you're looking at the weeping virgin uh -huh. and father time, there is death there. Now, there's something that comes after. And those who have gone through the process of Masonic initiation, you know what happens. But that symbol is a reminder of death. OK, with a little bit of teaser of what comes later, if you're an awesome person. Right. Death is your liminal stage of initiation into the greater mysteries of existence. And, you should and do a presentation John, on that, Jason. That would be awesome. I know. Like, I heard it somewhere from some weirdo with the same. All kidding aside, if you can get Jason to come to your lodge, do it. Because that's an amazing presentation. Thank you. Which now you have to include this, this picture in your presentation somewhere. Maybe. He doesn't like changing things once he has them the way he likes them. So It's perfect. That is a no. Change. Change. <laughs> Why change? change? I don't like change. It's always been done. My no presentations way. are as immutable as the landmarks. <laughs> presentations the landmarks? Time yes. immemorial. Of 1859? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was uh, a lot of inside jokes, all in like quick succession. <laughs> catch up, people. Yep. Yes. Catch up. But really, time immemorial sounds better than 1850s. Doesn't it, though? It do. Or we sounds a whole lot better than, you know what, we just don't know. We don't know the actual history, so it sounds cooler. It's kind of like it's the it's the Masonic version of because I said so. Yes, <laughs> if you're a parent, that's right. Nobody messes with time immemorial. It's like, oh damn, oh snap. Yes, great. All right, um, mouth so ear only goes so far. What did we? Uh, what did we miss? We talked about the broken column. We talked about the beautiful version. We talked about the book open. We talked about the evergreen. We talked about Father Time. We talked, talked about, about the hourglass. The hourglass. We have. Scythe. Yeah. We talked about the scythe. We talked about a lot. We talked about Saturn. We talked about Greek and Roman mythology. We we have covered this thing to a great extent. Hopefully, giving you enough to go down the rabbit hole and start uh, researching all those for yourself. So. I guess it's time for final question. Ooh, sure. So let me let me think of a good final question. So Ooh. here we are in spooky season, talking about Father Time. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna go go personal and say, what does the uh, Father Time or Hourglass or the the shortness of time mean to you? And how does does it inspire you in any way? Okay, so this is this is mostly a symbol about one person's untimely death. Uh, we've covered a lot of the other death-related symbols, but in the, specifically for the hourglass, the scythe, and Father Time, what does the passage of time and the approaching harvest of your soul? What does that mean to you, and how do you hope to uh, live out those? Uh, virtues someday jason go ahead mm. all right so i have to uh i have to pull the lenormand deck out again <gasps> oh what's uh, that uh lenormand is a uh 
system of cardamancy similar to or uh, you know in the same vein of the tarot it is a 36 card system um the petite lenormand um as opposed to the 78 card system of the conventional tarot and uh one of the cards card number 10 is the scythe and so in um lenormand this can the the scythe card um you know can uh, you know can emote you know, loss and hardship and like surgery or cutting away of of something. Uh, the interesting thing about Lenormand is much more so than than tarot. You know, Lenormand places a huge emphasis on uh, the cards' proximity to one another and the relationship between the cards and the spread. Uh, so and, a single uh, card wouldn't be a good way to read that. Right. Yeah. So a, you know, one of the interesting things about the scythe is it kind of cuts away and diminishes the cards that come before it. Um, and so if you have a lot of positive cards and you end with the scythe, then, you know, it, it greatly lessens the, um, the impact and the effect of the, the positive cards. Uh, but it does the same with, with cards with the negative energy as well. And that's, that's all to say that when I look at the scythe and you know the the impermanence of of existence, like I I am reminded every day uh, and every time I think about that to make the best impact to those around me as I can. Very much the idea. Of, of of memento mori and saying you know what i i am here on this earth to make life better for all those around me and i only have a limited time to to be able to do that and so for me the the scythe is as good a reminder as the you know memento mori and and our other emblems of mortality like the hourglass um that just help keep things in perspective and help you know remind me and encourage encourage me to kind of extend grace to everyone we need to buy some tmr scythes that's what i'm hearing mini scythes oh. cut like one blade of grass with that okay awesome thank you jason joe what what does time ticking away mean to you yeah so um ticking away the moments right. that make up the dull days sorry go ahead wow okay um yeah so i i, I thoroughly enjoy this symbol um even though we know it does for for masons it does not go as far back as time immemorial right so we've established that Blast and we know where it comes from i know um but i you know Overall, those symbols, Father Time, the Scythe, the Hourglass, I think they are meant to be gentle reminders to us that death is imminent, right? No one escapes from it. And, and you can't deny the, the truth that life's existence ends with death, right? And that we should view death through the things that we learn, especially in masonry, that we should view death as a reminder to live. 
you know, right. That, um, the things we do and the virtues we hold outlive us each and every one of us. So, um, I know, I know John loves Seneca and Seneca has a wonderful quote when it comes to, you know, a Stoics understanding of death. And it's simply that it matters how not well you live. It matters how well you live, not how long you live. So, right. you know, um, John's really depressing spreadsheet. Um, don't need that. You know, just, yeah, we don't need that. So we just need to know, I don't need that. I'm good. Um, yeah. Cause I'm, I'm definitely not as optimistic as you having. Yeah. Same. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm cool good. without that representation. So it's funny. It's funny you say it. Cause like, um, thank you, Joe, because I like, I think one time we had like a hypothetical, like, would you want to know the day you die? Like which day on the calendar you will die? I'm like, sign me up. Like, I want to know exactly the time because I got stuff to do and I want to make sure it gets done and I want to make sure I'm ready. And like, I don't know, the planner in me is like, that's, I'm all for it. We know, we know some folks who actually do death readings based on like I, natal I, astrology. I need to give that guy a call again. Yeah, we need to make yeah. that happen. Yes. So, um, I guess, yeah. Thank you, Joe. I agree with that. Um, let's, uh, let's keep ourselves motivated. Let's, let's cut over to me. For final thoughts there uh yeah so as joe alluded to definitely um inspired from the stoic philosophy of like hey um time's gonna come and conquer everyone so like let's focus on the here and now let's focus on what you can do let's focus on you know how to be a good person today like like right now not tomorrow because you're not guaranteed tomorrow which i think is really great if we're going to go into stoic philosophy um there's one kind of morbid quote that is inspiring and so i'm going to poorly explain it but uh the, the quote basically says like um you know imagine that you know today was your last day that you had with your with your children right and so uh tomorrow is not guaranteed what you know what would you do differently and so the cynic would say see that as a as a purely negative thing right but the other way to look at it is to say like let, let me stop like let me get the stress of the world off of me how would i be a better father in the moment how would i you know put things away and and still live out those things as if you know i wanted to make sure that i left my last good impression with them and that's why we should be treating every moment right this is this is living in the now not living in what we want it to be or what it should be but living in the, the now and being a good person now that's what that's what all this inspires me to do so um i i see a symbol like like father time here and i have i have an hourglass there's an hourglass right there there's of course uh mr skull back there as well and I try to live those. I try to say that when, every time I see one of those, it is a constant reminder that uh, today is a gift. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. So make the best of it that you can. So That's why that. we call it the present. Ha! Ah! All right, dad mm -hmm. jokes for the win. All right. Um, that was fantastic. I want to thank you all very much for tuning in. Happy early Halloween. And keep searching for more light. Have a good night.
Dun dun dun. Pew 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 pew.